0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Pastor Tony's already given the greetings back, but hello, it's good to be back. It seems that in some days your weather was better here than it was there. Not that we saw the weather. We seem to enjoy very long days and very short nights. It seems to be, those people who've been to Malaysia, it seems to be it's like this and then like that, yeah? So we had a trip that was like that and then like that, so... For all of you, Ben, you know exactly what I'm talking about. For everybody else, let it stay as a riddle. I speak to you in parables this morning. But it's good to be back. Do you know, just starting this morning, numbers are the bane or blessing of your life. Would we say that? I stood at a reception, pulled out my credit card, and had no idea what them four digits were supposed to be to put into the machine because I never use my credit card. And I looked at Ange, and Ange looked at me, and I went, well, I think I know the first two. (laughs) Do you know the other two? And Ange went, well, it might be your birthday time by your anniversary on the third day that your mother was cremated. It's all that kind of stuff. Numbers are a crazy thing, but yet they have such an impact in our lives, don't they? Do you remember the days when you could actually remember telephone numbers? Before you got a smartphone, they'd say, I'm phoning home. And somebody'd say, what's your home number? Well, you'd just tell them. Now, if somebody asks you what your home telephone number is, you pull your phone out to see, what. oh, your mobile number. Well, what's your mobile number, Chris? I don't know. I never ring myself. Uh, Dawn knows Earth, Clever don't. So we get to the place where numbers have an impact, don't they? For those of us who are a bit older, maybe you saw the original or you saw repeats, the prisoner. And when you had the prisoner, he had one statement. I am not a number, I am a free man. Yeah? Yeah? Numbers dictate everything. Now, I'm going to test something now. I hope my dad wasn't lying to me, but my dad used to tell me this. Chris, you were, one day in your life, a military man, was you not? What was your army number? How's that, eh? And how many years ago was that, Chris? Quite a few. 40 years, ago. Forty years ago. because there are numbers which are given to you that have an impact in your life, are they not? And we have in our mind big numbers and small numbers, don't we? But it's amazing how four digits and a PIN code, I'm not asking for the world, but those four numbers and the combination can be the biggest thing in your world. I once talked to Andy when he was doing a huge, huge job worth trillions and trillions and billions and squillions of pounds. And I said to Andy, what's the difference between a big job and a small job? Waiting for the wisdom of Andy to come as he runs a global world of telecommunications. He said, Phil, it's simple, simple zeros. The job's the same, it's just how many zeros you stick on the end of it. But we have a perspective of what numbers mean to us. Would that be fair? We can look and say, if I was to say to you, I need 10 quid, it's not a problem. But if I said, I want 10,000 pounds, suddenly sticking some knots on the end made it whether it was going to be acceptable, achievable, or you're even living in a pipe dream. Those zeros and numbers make a massive difference to the perspective that we hold. Would that be fair? In Luke 12 and verse 32, it declares this, do not fear little flock for it is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What does it start with? Little. Fear not, little. You know, God has a fantastic sense of humor. When I look in the mirror, I see his sense of humor. I see it even more when I look in your mirror. God has a habit of doing stuff different. You see, we have this perspective that works that says to have global impact, you must have a mega church. God's impression is I need a church that will hold a mega God. If I have a mega God, then God can do whatever he wants to do, whether by many or by few. It's all just about perspective. His word there to us is, he said, do not fear. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you The kingdom. God wants to give you the kingdom. Well, there we go. God wants to give you and he wants to give me the kingdom this morning. He wants to give you. He wants you to see. He wants you to enter. And he wants you to inherit the kingdom. What is visible, what is seen, and what is unseen. Now, this is the upside down thing about inheritance. Inheritance is... When someone dies, like Pastor Tony dies, and he writes in his will, I leave everything, not to Scott. Phil's got the lot. Phil can have everything. He can have me four golf clubs and the the trolley with a dodgy wheel. You get that. He dies, and I inherit. We have been brought up in church with this understanding, when I die, I inherit. But he died so I could inherit. That starts now. I don't have to wait to the great beyond, the great by and by, to actually cause this to work. Thank you for your underwhelming response. I don't have to wait. I can start today. This is processing because everything we've been taught over the years means that one day when I go to be with him, I get my mansion and I'll skip through the daisies and I'll have, what kind of harp am I getting? Am I getting a Gibson? Am I getting a Yamaha? I'm getting something. And there'll be big wings, small wings, chicken wings. There'll be something, no wings. i Am I sat on a cloud? Am I going to live in my extension? Will it have a sunroof? And will it have a conservatory? All of these things I get lost in, it's always going to be one day Somewhere in the great by and by, this works. Somewhere in the great by- and by, all of this would have been worth it. for living in my invisible investments that I make on a daily, weekly or yearly basis, that someday I actually get to cashing me chips. Cash them in today, for it's the father's good pleasure to give you the little flock, the kingdom. We said before, didn't we? This is not a numbers game. In 1 Samuel 14, 6, it declares this. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of the uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Can the Lord save by a big church? Can he save by a little church? The issue is your availability. If he has availability, a willingness, and obedience to go and do, God can't help but act. Do you know, I can go into the supermarket, the corner shop, wherever I want, and pull a box of cake mix off the shelf, hold it in my hands, come over to Kath and say, Kath, I've made you, I've got you a cake. And it's a chocolate, sorry, Chris said it has to be chocolate cake, and it's sprinkles. There's a bag of sprinkles in there, hundreds and thousands if you want them. Have I given her a cake? Have I given her a cake, or have I just given her the ingredients for a cake? See, God says, I give you all the ingredients, everything you need for life and godliness, I have given for you, but guess what? Jamie Oliver, you must get in your life your own conservatory, your kitchen, wherever you want to do it. You must take these ingredients and make it work in your life so that this becomes a reality to you today. A bit like the prisoner, we are more than a number. Do you know that? Here's the craziest piece of maths that you'll ever get. Do you know that one can chase a thousand and two chase 10,000? Never worked that one out yet. I have not got the mathematical equation on that one. Give that one Stephen Hawkins. I don't even think he's working that one out. But yet, here's another thing. You plus God is a majority. I said you plus God is a majority. It does not matter if the world stands against you as long as God is standing with you. You can have a confidence to stand, to deliver, to see, see things change. What did Pastor Tony say this morning at the end of our worship? We are praying for the power to change. Who finds change easy? It depends. Depends what you want to change for. The reason to change is different, isn't it? Pastor Tony said before maybe some of us want to lose weight, but it's a suggestion. You kind of got to pull your pants on, and they're not quite... These are a bit more tighter than I thought they were before, and I always thought I looked good in cycle pants. You know, you're trying to pull those things on. The flip side is somebody says to you, okay, right, Billy, if you don't lose weight, this is what's coming your way. You have got this, this, and this. You are going to reduce your life expectancy by 10 years. You know you're on a diet tomorrow. You know every time you've got to shove that Mars bar in your mouth, it has a consequence. But we can change because we want to change to be more like him and have the Christ formed. Is that right? Again, second time we use him this morning. So it's your own fault, Andy. When Andy used to have this saying, when your back's against the wall, remove the wall. Mm -hmm. We start to love uh, love and live with a completely (laughs) different perspective. See, the thing is, when you're small and we're a small core group of people like this, it has an advantage and a disadvantage. The advantage is, as a house, we can change direction very, very quickly. We can change. There's not all systems to bring in place. It's not a huge democracy. We don't have to have 47 meetings with every single people group about this is a suggestion. We can change shape and we can go. So we can act very much in stealth. The downside for that is when we say we're a voice into the community or a voice into our city, they go, are we asking the church with 100 people or should we speak to the one with 2,000 people? Because they must have more to say because they've got more. Are we a people that because we've been a small, tight-knit group, have lost the ability to dream? Have we lost it I'm still believing that God can move, that God can change, that he can save or he can change through the many or by the few, or has life give us such a kick in that we actually believe it can't happen anymore? So all we'll do is if we're just faithful rather than fruitful, we'll just hang on that even though that stuffing's been kicked out of us. The only you can speak as the individual. That sometimes I just think it takes my, all my energy and strength when I've done all else to stand, let's stand. Let's forget moving forward. I'll just stick with standing and see that as being a bit of a victory from where I'm coming from. Fear not, little flock. It's the father's good intention to give you the kingdom. Now I don't know about you, but I like heroes. I like hero stories. I love boys home when I was a kid, not the band. <laughs> Not the band. Let me just, for anybody listening on tape, not the band. You know, you used to get Boyzone, you used to get Eagles, your had Dan Dare, you'd have your little war magazines, and you'd have all these. The Victory. You'd have all of these things that were in that you kind of went. As I grow up, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be Hercules on a Monday. I'm gonna be this on a Tuesday. The world was just open to you, and there was nothing that you couldn't be. Because it gave you the impression that the world was full of heroes. And do you know what? The world has been full of heroes. But do you know what happens to me? I'll only say me, I won't say you. There is the occasion when I start to look at scripture and I see the heroes, and those heroes become so unobtainable, it can't be talking to me. They are a story in a book rather than a life that I can draw down and model for myself. Would that be fair? So let's give you a couple of examples. David. You see David, you read the story, he's been out, he's fought a lion, fought a bear, he's handsome, good looking. It's just like reading my Facebook account, this, isn't it? It's, so he's has got all this stuff going on, he goes to the battlefield, he's only on, he's educating. so he took the cheese biscuits down and the bread, he's gone down to see it. He hears what's going on, he's also an entrepreneur, so he hears that... Do you know what? There's a reward for anybody who can take Goliath down. So let's just, can we just put things in perspective just for a minute so it helps me? Might not help you, but it helps me. He didn't say you uncircumcised Philistine. What do I get if I do it? So first he went to reward before he decided who is this uncircumcised Philistine, if you read the story. And he says, you get a reward and you get the king's daughter. Kind of gives it a bit of not too bad this, not too shabby. He kicks in, David goes, he fights the Goliath, he brings him down. And then you see the story of David. I want a 100 foreskins, I'll give you 200. Everything of David is like that, is it not? You look at David and go, what a hero, what a hero, <laughs> Samson. Now, remembering Samson, the spirit of God falls on him in a way that he moves that is not completely natural. What do I mean by that? Scripture never describes him as an Arnold Schwarzenegger turned up. He is a normal guy that everybody's amazed at. He takes the city gates. He slays the guys with a a jawbone of an ass. He pushes down the temple pillars. Victory to the Lord. He's got all this stuff going on. What about Paul, the Apostle Paul? Anybody wants to be an apostle, read Paul, and I think you'll decide being an evangelist, right? You'll just change overnight. He's shipwrecked. He's flogged, he's stoned, he's left for dead, he's put in prison. Everywhere he went, everybody hated him. Wherever he went is all the time, life is living on the edge. You go, but you could make a tent. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got all this stuff going on there. What about Gideon? You see Gideon, he's not the superhero, he's in the wine press, and he's pressing the wheat so that somebody doesn't steal it, and the angel appears to him. The Lord is with you, almighty warrior. As I look over his shoulder, I thought it was on my own. The Lord is with you. And his response is, if the Lord is with us, where is the God of our fathers? Where are all the miracles you talked about? He starts to bring a little bit of hope into into the heart of wannabe hero Phil that says, Here's this whole process that God, when he uses people, everybody has to start somewhere. Everybody has to start somewhere. What was that saying you gave me uh, the other day, Pastor Tony, when you were talking? It said that somebody once said, where are all the, where's the place where all the great men come from here? And he said, oh, we don't. We only give babies. There's only babies born here, not great men. You take a baby, you shape his life, and he becomes a great man or a great woman. Stop looking for the great man. Let's start with a baby and work backwards, shall we not? But we see all of these people that the Lord sets up, and you read the heroes of Hebrews 11 and all the things that they've done, all the wonderful activities, and it seems beyond the pale. How can I do it? How is that effective to me? It doesn't mean anything. But then in Isaiah 8, and verse 18, he declares this. Behold, I and who the Lord has given me, we are made for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Zion. I and the children the Lord has given me. So speaking of Jesus Christ and the rest of us are made for signs and wonders. Should we say that again? Anybody near the back? I and the children the Lord has given me, are made for signs and wonders from the Lord who dwells in Zion. So he comes from a position of authority. He comes from a position of rulership. And he says, I have set Jesus Christ in the midst with the rest of this extended family, and you are made for signs and wonders. But let's stop looking at Paul. Let's stop looking at Gideon, Samson, and every other hero. And for you ladies, you can have a Deborah or you can have a whoever you want. And Esther, stick anybody on there. The heroes that you can look to in Scripture and say, my God, you set something on the inside of me, whether it be by many or by few, where you said, God, things change when I turn up. You've heard the saying, haven't you? Wherever Billy is, there is a problem. Maybe the problem is Billy. Wouldn't it be good to turn that around and say, wherever Billy is, problems get resolved? Maybe Billy's the one who resolves the problem. We start to become the answer rather than the problem. But here's another scripture. In Daniel eleven thirty-two, 32, it says this, By smooth words, he will turn to the godless, those who act wickedly towards the covenant. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Another translation says, the people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. I like the bit, and that's why I put it down first. My people will take action. I said, my people will take action. But you know, again, whether it be like the diet or change or anything else, it's so easy for all of us just to take the passive approach. The passive approach is one day it's going to change. One day, I'm going to look in the mirror, and I will fit into that size zero that I always thought I did. Do you know that crazy stuff when you say, I saw something in the sale, and it was a size smaller than me, so I bought it because by the summer, it'll fit. How many of you have still got it in the wardrobe, waiting for another summer, waiting for the swallow to arrive, when you're actually going to fit? All right, spot on. Okay. Okay. For the budget shoppers, those will go, it's not my size, but I'll change rather than it. It's got more chance of changing than you have. (laughs) Yes, can it be let out? Yeah. Can it be let out because I've been let out? (laughs) And maybe I need to drive myself back in again. But it's this whole process that we're saying about, about change. But you know, there's great hope for all of us. And do you know what the great hope is? God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And I think we're not in a bad place to start. God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. God has a habit of just turning the table and saying, all that people think this cannot produce, let me get behind it and let's all smile together and see what the outcome is. You know, if you look through scripture, you start to just break down scripture and look in different ways, you'll find something. There are very few examples where a hero stroke somebody who stood out from the crowd is actually used by God. One of those examples is Saul. Said, and when Israel looked for a king, they found Saul. Now, why did they choose Saul? They chose Saul because he was head and shoulders above everybody else. That wasn't he used head and shoulders. <laughs> but he was head and shoulders above everybody else. That if you had a crowd, he was the one who stood out of it. He is the one who looked at everybody else. When you are at a football match, you're shouting, hey, Billy, what's happening? He's the one who can tell you what's happening when you're only little. He stood head and shoulders. So he was head and shoulders in Israel but when the problem arose, the enemy brought somebody who was bigger than him that actually revealed that how small he was on the inside. See, he's had a battle. You read the story of Saul. He's freed one city. But now it comes up, I'm the biggest. I'm the big dog in the fight. And then along came a bigger dog. And he's saying, right, reward to anybody who wants to take on this fight because I'm not. God has a habit of not using what's right in front of you that everybody else says. Drawback story. David's on the mountain looking after sheep. Samuel arrives at his house to turn around and say, who is the Lord going to anoint as the next king? They line everybody up, and what is the response of the prophet? It must be Chris, because he's the biggest So he goes down the line. He's already used the template that's put out. Saul was bigger than everybody else. So if you say the king is from this house, he's the biggest. It must be him. And then the Holy Ghost goes, you're having a bit of a giraffe here, aren't you? It's not him. (laughs) So we'll work down the list till he gets to the end of the line and says, is there anybody else? Because if not, I'm sacking this idea of being a prophet because it ain't working. Well, there is David, and they bring him in. He went back to default that when we look on the outside, we look at somebody's natural gift, talent, abilities. They look good. They sound good. They can communicate well. They dress well. They're the people you'd like to front. They would be the people that, oh, what a PR uh, exercise that we've got that we're sending Pat to represent the Dream Center because she does this, this, and this. And God says, I'm looking at the heart, not at the outside. You're continually moved by the outside and you don't realize what I do on the inside. And so because of that, do you know, we see good and we see bad. But what we do because we look at the outside, we see in church why everybody else should do it and not me. I can justify every reason why God wants to speak to Dawn rather than him speaking to me. I can justify why, oh, he talks to Pastor Tony because he must be more spiritual than I am. He must be more in the word than I am. And we always find a reason to kind of balance. Am I right? Or have I just gone nuts? Yeah. yeah. But when we look and you look in the world, everybody wants to see. Now, I'll tell you this. It's a secret, but not a secret. It was the unspoken rule. When I worked at McAnerickson, they had a beautiful rule, but it was unspoken. So the unspoken beautiful rule was this, because we had the flagship agency and the one office that we had, there was over 300 million pounds passed through on a yearly basis. When people walked through the door, the employees that they saw had to reflect the company. So you dressed a certain way, you looked a certain way, and you had to weigh a certain way. So if you piled on a bit of timber, you wasn't there for long. Because guess what? They only employed you if you looked a certain way. Now I was all right, because we were in an ugly corner, and we never really got exposed to the public that much. They'd have certain divisions pushed out. But secretaries, anybody client facing, it was all done a certain way. Now I can tell you that, now we can, all them people who got up, <laughs> found out they didn't have a job on Monday morning, could probably go back and say it's discrimination, but it's the unspoken rules. Because people will look at you and make an assumption straight away. So when you turn around and say that, um, let's be fair, I'm going to the gym, because Pastor Tony's already used the example, we're going to the gym, I want to lose weight. And a gym teacher comes up, his T-shirt doesn't fit because his belly's hanging out, his shorts are too tight, and he sat there with a bag of crisps and says, right, let me sort out your diet plan. He might not necessarily be the person that I want to maybe reflect where they're coming. Yes? And so there's essences of what we find in life where someone's looking and saying, are you reflecting what you talk about? But the people who normally disqualify ourselves is us and not them. Somebody comes along and says to Eric, Eric, you know, tell me about this. Tell me about this, Jesus. What is it? And you say, what you need to do is speak to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and people come and we deflect because we think he must know more. He must walk more than I do. There's always a reason why it's someone else. But the heart of the Father is, fear not, little flock. It's my good intention to give you the kingdom. It's speaking to me. It didn't say, Phil, message, can you pass it on to Chris? That the Lord said he's given Chris the kingdom. He's given it to us, but will we listen and will we respond to it? Here's a point. It's my good point, this. Scripture uh, scripture. Captures little people. <coughs> Scripture captures little people, what they did, but not who they were. Scripture captures what you did and not who you were. But we live in a generation that everything I do must be shouted and championed on Facebook. Now, I had a conversation with one of our clients just this week, and the statement went like this. Two business partners. One said, the difference between me and Les is this. I want to play and win the game before I pick up the prize. Les's intention is this. He's running around the office with the trophy before we've done the work. (laughs) And for many of us, we want to declare and run out everything, our lives on Facebook. I had double egg and chips for tea, whatever, a life of nonsense, we bang it all on Facebook. If you take out rubbish from Facebook, how much, what do you think the percentage would be left? If you took mundane rubbish off of, here's a cat playing in a box. Delete. To all those mothers out there, here's a saying for the day, to be a mother and a daughter is like being a cat in a box. Delete. You know, <laughs> in all this stuff, We have this life that wants to shout about everything before we've even done something. Yeah? So what I want to show you this morning is first a statement that everybody will know. The statement was this. It was from Truman. It says, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you're not bothered who takes the credit. We can accomplish anything as long as we're not bothered, who takes the credit? So if Eric wins, we win. If Delma wins, we win. But can you see that if I win, you win? Because we're one body called together to reflect him, to bear fruit and to do what he wants us to do. You are not, you are and you are not the answer to the world's problems. You might be glad about that, aren't you? I'm glad about that because I look at me and think, not today, Jimmy. It ain't working. But I want to show you some things. We're going to take some small people from Scripture. You'll know all of the stories. But start to see how that little flock can be start to outwork through the ones and twos, which will cover a bigger picture in total. We all know the story, do we not? of Naaman's servant girl. Have we ever heard of the story of Naaman's servant girl? Yes? So we know the, the story of Naaman's. We don't need to go out into the detail. Apart from this, Naaman is the captain of the army. He's the army of Aram. He's taken prisoners from Israel and he's brought a girl into his own house. Now, the crazy thing is this, Israel and Aram, this is the enemy of Israel. But when you read the scripture, it says, and the Lord granted him great victories. So God's using not just his own people, he's using somebody else. But he's struck down with leprosy. Now you just think, there's you, little Billy, little Mary, whatever name you want to be. Somebody comes along, they turn your town upside down, they grab you by the scruff of the neck, they take you away from your own environment, they put you in another man's environment. You are now a slave in their house. The master's got leprosy. You already know what leprosy is. It's a massive curse. It can't be around people if you've got leprosy. So your response and my response is, rot your dog. You got what you deserved. That's the judgment of the Lord. Oh, right, okay. So you don't read with union eyes. Okay, so we're like that. Naaman comes in It says he's a great man, but he carries leprosy. And all it says is, and Naaman's servant girl of his wife says to his wife, if my master would only go and see the prophet in Samaria, he would be healed. Next verse, Naaman went to the king and said, my servant girl has said. He goes, he doesn't even see the prophet. He doesn't even come, see the prophet, you get Elisha. He's not even bothered. He's read the scripture. He didn't even come out of his house. He sent the message, go and dip yourself in the river. Didn't even come out to see him. But the process is this. The servant girl had such an impact on that man, on that land, he's healed, he's transformed. But what's her name? What did she hold in her own character that in the higher echelon of one of the most powerful men in a nation, the servant girl's word carried weight. What she did and what she was reflected when she spoke, somebody listened. But what's her name? Now, you and me, Facebook, had a word today. The Lord spoke, told him, go and see the prophet. Look at that, one bang, it's all brilliant. We want to take the glory rather than it doesn't matter if I stayed invisible. The response of the man brought something back. Now, somebody did make this statement recently. She was the invisible servant girl. I bet she wasn't when he came home. I bet she wasn't invisible when he came home. But what does scripture say? It was just a servant girl. So let's do it again. Jonathan's armor bearer. So you've got the armor bearer It's here. The Philistines are coming in. Jonathan says, he's, he's only got his armor bearer with him. He says, he's a young man. So he's got his armor bearer. He's not just saying, do you want some more water? Can I carry your bag? He's there for a task. And Jonathan says, we read the scripture before, surely the Lord can deliver by the many or by few. Let's ask the Lord to see whether the Lord will give the Philistines into our hands. Not mine, plural. So into our hands. And the response from the servant was this. Do what you have in mind, for you have my heart and soul. So he's not just a servant. He's not just there to carry the bags. There is a connection between the armor bearer and Jonathan. And the story goes on. They climbed up. They killed 20 Philistines. It says Jonathan was fighting, and the armor bearer was fighting and killing at the side of him. The partnership came. There was a great victory brought. Israel was able to cross over, took the land back from the Philistines. What was his name? The armour bearer. What he did and his heart was recorded, but not who he was. But fear not, little flock, for the father's good intention to give you the kingdom. What about the boy who was used to feed the 5,000? Turns up with a packet of apps and a tin of sardines, at Jesus Jesus's picnic. He's the only one got something, and it breaks out. Here's one offering that he allowed, in is just his willingness to say, I've not got much, the widow's might, but God, what can you do with that? He hands something over in faith that even the disciples are saying, excuse me, Jesus, if everybody's having a subway, <laughs> right, we're, we're getting a sub. get the list out. What do you want? Do you want anchovies on yours? And it's taking the list about, in all of that process, the disciples said, this is eight months wages to try and feed these people. Let them take care of themselves. But the boy came forward and gave his widow's mite that Christ uses and everything's finished. Can you imagine your story when you went home? Hey, ma'am, Do you know them baps you got from Greg's? <laughs> you, you want to get some more because you don't know how many, how many people they feed. There is a response again, but the act is seen, not the person who did it. What about the friends who broke through when their friend was in need? Read the story in Mark where Jesus is in the house. It's absolutely ram-jam full, and the men taking an extraordinary step start to break a hole through the roof to get their mate who's ill, pass him down on a map on string to where Jesus is. Again, Dawn, it's your own fault for looking. Dawn's house, she's got one of her parties. Marcus is going ballistic because somebody's coming through the bathroom. You're handing him down on the rope, giving it one of those. He didn't say that he had to fix it later, but it was the extraordinary act of faith of these guys that says, if we can just get him to the Christ, something's going to change. It wasn't his act of faith, it was the four unnamed men who turned up and put a hole in your roof. It broke through in such a way. The obstacle didn't get in the way. It didn't matter about what they had to face. It was the action that was recorded. Great one. What about the woman who anointed Jesus' head with oil? And again, what was the disciples' response? Do you know how much this costs? And Jesus stops, and these are the words that he uses. As long as the gospel is preached, what she did will be remembered. So who is she? She's the woman who anointed him. I want Facebook. Let's get on here. I'm a hero. I've posted it. I saw one only a couple of weeks ago before I went away, and it was... Oh, Facebook campaign, it was like a little elderly Billy who does, he's 85 years of age and does all the jobs for people in his street. Community champion. Everybody said what you did. But will you do even if nobody pays you any attention? The centurion. Just send your word and my servant will be healed. But absolutely blows my brains, the son of God, makes this statement. It says, and he was amazed at his faith. You've got to do pretty good to amaze God. When God's spinning universes up on a Monday morning and he's got it all going on, he's creating everything, and what you did amazed him, I'm kind of going, that's pretty good. You see those things. And finally, what about the of Of the donkey. They're ready for the triumphal entry. Jesus says to his disciples, go into the village and you will find a donkey tethered. And if the owner asks you what you're doing with the donkey, what was the response? Tell him the master has need of it. Invisible man, invisible man, the invisible man, and an unnamed donkey. But the question came off the back. Tell him that the master has need of it. Sorry, Chris, you're on the front. It's your own fault. You keep sitting there. Does the master need you? If so, how? We're nodding. (laughs) For those on tape, Chris is nodding. If I was to say and ask each individual around the room this morning, Mel, the master has need of you, but how? Dawn, Scott, Pat, Elijah. Whoever you're looking at, because this is a time now where you say, don't make eye contact with Phil, just keep looking, <laughs> pretend I'm writing a note, because <laughs> if you ask me, I, might, I won't know what to say. The question I must ask myself all the time is, does the master need me? Does the master want to use me? Yeah. And the answer is, Yes. Does the Master want to use us and does he need us? Yes. 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 Hebrews 10, verse 5 declares this. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. We said right at the beginning, You are not a number. I said, You are not a number. You might feel like you just go to work and it's the same old mundane. You punch in, you put in your code, you go, you take your pay, this is your serial number. You go to the bank, you put in your PIN number, you look at your account, there's a number. Transfer it to this number. You are not a number. You are an active, functioning member of the body of Jesus Christ. A body you prepared for me. Now, here's the good bit. You can take this up with God. It's not my issue. Scripture says this, and God placed you in the body where? Where he felt fit. He wasn't looking for your opinion. He didn't turn around and say, okay, right, is, uh, would you like A or B? you like to be left side, right side? Are you a thinker? Are you creative? Would you like to be a stylist? What about you? I know you don't really like feet, but would you like to be a toe? He's not giving you an opinion. He placed you where you will fit so that you will function and you will respond and not attack the body. Remember what we said last time about a cancer is a rogue cell that doesn't realize that it's actually started to attack and break down that which it, it loves. He's put us in a place so that we will, we'll function and do what we need to do. Without a body, Christ can't function. Do you know that? It doesn't matter how big or how small, the whole thing that we want to do without a body, it's unachievable. And what we do do, whether it's so small at this level, what we believe to be small, heaven still records. Who would have thought that heaven would have recorded the conversation that says, go and get the donkey? Who said that heaven would record the conversation of Naaman's Servant girl. Heaven records our response when the word comes to us. When I'm functioning in the place when I want to be, whether it by great or small, heaven still records it. Heaven records your action and interaction. What God's looking for all the time is two things. It's more than two, but we'll keep it basic. A willingness and availability. Let me read you two scriptures. In Matthew 10 and verse 40 to 42, speaking or reading from the message, it puts it this way. We are intimately linked to the harvest work. So where are we linked? To the harvest. Anyone who accepts what you do accepts me. The one who sent you. Anyone who accepts what I do accepts my father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God is as good as being God's messenger. Accepting someone's help is as good as someone helping you. This is a large work I've called you into, and it's overwhelming. You know, when somebody says, There, the world feels a white unto harvest, away you go, knock yourself out. I'd just like to let you know, Jesus, it's pretty overfell- overfacing this. It's overwhelming. It's pretty big. So the response to the rest of the verse is, don't be overwhelmed by it. It's best to start with something small. I said it's best to start with something small. It says this, give a cool glass of water to someone who is thirsty, for instance. The small act of giving and receiving makes you a true, says apprentice here, but it's disciple, disciple. And you won't lose out on a thing, so heaven will even respond when I stretch forward and say, "I don't need to be seen." Pat's coughing this morning; she's got a... <laughs> it's all going on. I get up, I bring her a glass of water. Pat is all right. Do you need anything? Heaven responds and records my acts towards her. Yes. Now, if I go, Pat's coughing, water, got some. Pat. Ah, here's your water. I'm doing it for me, not for her. Yeah? But this is the whole process. We look at these fields being whitened to harvest, and the response was, it all seems overwhelming, but start somewhere. And if you and I can start even by picking up random acts of kindness, today the kingdom has come near you because it's not normal human nature. When I start to act, I'm thinking of something above myself. Uh, I'm thinking beyond the, the boundaries of what everybody says I should be, shouldn't do, I can do, I can't do. I, we break down culture, we break down, break down gender. Whichever way we look at it, we can move in a way that when I come to you today, I carry the kingdom. We've all got to start somewhere. In Psalm 110 verse one, it declares this. The word of the Lord came to my Lord, sit at my right hand, here on the throne until I make your enemies a footstool below your feet. You were forged a strong scepter by guarding Zion. Now, rules, though though surrounded by enemies, your people will freely join you resplendent in holy armor on the day of your great conquest join at the fresh break of day and they will join you with the vigor of youth. Again, that's speaking from the message. We know it this way. And your people will be willing on the day of your visitation. But I like the bit that says this. The people will join you in the vigor of youth. Your people will join you in the vigor of youth. You know what your problem is? Your problem I'm saying your problem. Sorry, David, I'm looking at you. I'm going over there now. I'm looking at your problem. like My problem is we're all getting older. Do you remember the days when you didn't make funny noises, when you stood up and you sat down? When your knees didn't creak and your back didn't crack? But guess what? In all of this, when my people will freely offer themselves there is something that starts to happen to us, almost like a refreshing process. A regeneration happens on the inside. It's as the vigor of youth. Now, I am what now? What, nearly 40? I'm nearly 40 now, and these, these days go by. In my mind, tell me, fellas, this is a man thing. In my mind, I'm about 19. David's still 19, and he's nearly 50, He's nearly 15, he's still 19. In my head, I do not have any limitations about what this body can do. Yeah? But imagine that spiritually, when I see myself as going, the vigor of youth comes upon me. We will rise up on wings like eagles. We will run and not grow weary. We won't go faint. All of that's going on. It's going, body, I'm having a word with you. I've seen that guy in the gym with a crisp and a short T-shirt. I'm not going to him. I'm believing what your word says about me. That when I offer myself, when the kingdom starts to come with simple things, with easy things that every one of us can do on a daily basis, a word of encouragement, a hand of help, the gesture of the cold water to somebody, whatever it is, doesn't mean that we stop there, but it's a place to start. And as it starts the kingdom starts to draw near you. People want what you carry. They want the God that you know. It's just we don't know how to express him very well. Because when I come to express him, I, like you, turn into a bit of a nutcase. Instead of, you know, I can send something and I can be in a shop. It's not the time to say, I was deep in prayer this morning and the Holy Ghost came to me and the Spirit of God fell on me and it said to me that I would be in a shop today. You know you've just gone to nutcase, Phil. I can speak. When did Christ ever, when he's talking to somebody, bring in a word of knowledge, etc., try to explain it? He just connected life with the person. Pastor Tony and I were in the car yesterday and he tried to claim credit for it. Down to his own conscience whether or not he can stand at the altar. But... I was saying that, I was just reading a few weeks before about the story of Zacchaeus. In the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus walks into a foreign town, Zacchaeus, come down. Nobody said, how did he know his name? He wasn't wearing a t-shirt going, I am Zacchaeus. The word of knowledge is moving in the spirit, got so used to it, he's moving in the spirit and he's connecting with people where they're at. We've talked about taking mountains. We've talked about being here and dealing with MDs and dealing with this and dealing with that. Just deal with Mary in the doctors. Deal with Fred at the bus stop. Deal with Sybil at the checkout at the supermarket. Just when you can start to understand that God wants you to see the kingdom, enter the kingdom, inherit the kingdom, carry the kingdom, things will change. And it didn't have to be with, do you know what? Unless I do that, it's invisible. Heaven records the acts, not just who did it. It all starts to pull down. So we're going to push with the vigor of youth. But fear not, little flock, for it's the Father's good intention to give you the kingdom. It all starts somewhere. It all starts with someone. And that somewhere and someone is you. And that someone and somewhere is me. Now, here's the great bit. If I can take your bit and put it with my bit and add it to their bit, the bit becomes a whole. We start to create a people movement where something starts to happen from the ground up where the kingdom is not just being talked about, it's being demonstrated. Now, we're not talking at this moment in time of, And I'm bringing a word of knowledge and we're moving in the Holy Ghost and I'm seeing people healed on the street. Let's just start with doing life. The field is overwhelming, but start somewhere. Let's just stand to our feet. My intention this morning was just to really encourage you that all the way through Scripture, we can look at two groups of people. We can look at what's the hero and what does God see important. Maybe our hero status has pushed doing things so far beyond the pale that we don't reach for it anymore. We think it's reaching for the stars. But when I allow the Christ to be built in me and then to start letting him out, those random acts of kindness is the kingdom coming near you. Amen? Amen. It says, even if you start with, here's a glass of water, heaven's recording it. Amen. So come on, church, let's just start to raise our hands just this moment. Just remember that even as we led in the, in the worship today, it was, as you saw him and you looked into Jesus' eyes, he'd ask for one thing. What was that thing that he'd be asking for? In a different way, we say, my God, now, Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, you will touch us. Let the kingdom not only just come near us, God, today, but just invade us. Lord God, Father, we thank you for that revelation and understanding. Father, that it is your good pleasure that, Lord God, you desire to give us the kingdom. Oh, my God, Father, even with us, Lord God, this Dream Center has a place and a plan to fit into the global purposes of the living God. Father God, I pray that you will build every life, you'll build every heart. That, Lord God, you'll even give us opportunities, even today to see that expression of the kingdom coming close, Lord God. Father, whether it's an act of kindness, it's a word, that encouragement. Lord God, all that that people don't expect. Lord God, I pray that we go against the grain. We go against the norm. That Lord God, Father, we'll be a people who represent you. Not for our glory, not for our namesake, Lord God, but for your name. Lord God, we want to build you a house. We want to build you a throne. We want to build you a legacy in the Holy Ghost. And we pray, Lord God, Father, right now, Father, seal it. Seal in our hearts. That, Lord, even as we've said today, that power to change, may that power to change come upon us, may it connect us, Lord God, may we be a people, even come next week, carrying the testimonies, carrying the testimonies, Lord God, a Father, where you opened a door, of a conversation, of something that started to change, where we started to see chinks of light in darkness all over our city, all over, Lord God, in our towns and communities. Lord God, we pray that you will take hold of us. But Lord, I thank you that it's your good pleasure that you gave us the kingdom. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 Amen.